Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars sports podcast. It's Thursday, April 14th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Royals today with beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnist Sam McDowell. They cover all the bases, uh-huh. including the rough patches in the starting rotation, the slow start at the plate for Carlos Santana, and in light of the San Francisco Giants bunting and stealing a base with a big lead late in the game against the San Diego Padres, we discuss baseball's unwritten rules. So let's talk baseball and Royals. The conversation started as a sports beat live. Hey, good morning from chilly uh, but sunny Kansas City. Hey, if you're going to the ball game tonight, bundle up. But uh, uh, welcome to Sports Beat Live, the weekly show where we talk Royals and. Boy, when I hear that music um, and see that video, it's it's uh, it's time to talk about Kansas City's baseball team. Sam, I think that's probably the first time you've seen the fine craftsmanship of Neil Nakahodo there. It is. Um, it matches our Chiefs intro. That's awesome. Yeah, really good job uh, by Neil. Also, uh, so that's the first time we've, we've seen that this year. And today also marks the first time that we get to say hello to our presenting sponsor, the University of Kansas Health System. They'll be with us all season long, and uh, great to have KU Med as our sponsor. So uh, you know the deal. We're talking Royals today with beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnist Sam McDowell. Plenty to get to, and let's um, let's also, while we're at it, say hello to I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Uh, Juan Parapayaris says hello from Columbia, and that's Columbia with an O, so it's not Columbia, Missouri, or South Carolina. Um, that is uh, uh, that is Columbia in South America. So, hey, if you got a question for us, um, Juan, let us know, and we'll, we'll talk Royals with you. Okay, guys. Um, Five games in the books, four since the last time we spoke, because we did get to talk after the last Friday, after opening day. But we now have five games in the books, would be six, but the um, the, the afternoon game on Wednesday against the Cardinals was was rained out, weathered out. So we didn't get to see Zach Brinke's second start. We did see his first, and then we saw each of the starting rotation throw a game. And, and if I had to label it, I would go um, – uh, good, good, bad, bad. And then, Lynn, what do we call the fifth start? Uh, Daniel Lynch's start against uh, against the Cardinals on uh, Tuesday night. I guess, um, meh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I can't, I can't say that it was, I mean, you can't, you can't call it good. Um, I don't know. I would say that it was a, a horrible start or a bad start. I mean, really, um, he was a strike away from getting out of those two big innings unscathed. Instead, that strike turned into home runs. Um, so you end up with two three run innings. Um, still, they were, you know, they ended up coming within a run of being able to tie that thing up. But um but obviously, you know, giving up three home runs, giving up a couple of three run innings, um, did pitch into the or through five innings. Um, so he was able to give you a little bit of uh, length there. But um, again, like I say, you can't really I don't, you can't call it good. I don't know if you would really say it was a bad start, especially compared to some of the shorter outings we saw just before that. So I'm landing on meh. <laughs> OK, I think that's fair um, that. 
and, and listening to your interview with him after the game, he, he seemed okay with it. Um, we, we, uh, uh, we, we don't have that audio. We're actually going to, we're going to hear from Salvador Perez a little bit later and his, his thoughts on his two home runs in the game, but, but also uh, what he thought of Daniel Lynch. Um, he did make some quality pitches, but I, I, I suppose it's still part of uh, adjusting to the major leagues that, you know, when, when you get, when you get two strikes on a, on a hitter, you can't, you just can't leave one over the plate. And, and to have the, the Cardinals, not only number nine hitter, but backup catcher who has, who came into that bat with three career home runs on in, in 90, uh, 90 major league games to, to for him to go deep uh, with the three run homer. And that was just a, a backbreaker for the Royals after they had worked hard to get the game tied at, at three so you know you take you take the good and the bad with the performance like Daniel Lynch's, but on on Sunday, um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna downgrade uh, bad to alarming uh, the performance of the pitchers on that day, especially the class of the draft class of the twenty of 2018. Um, Sam, I don't know if you were at the ballpark on Sunday, but I know you you, you paid attention to that game. How concerned should the Royals be after the performances of uh, Chris Bubich and Jackson Kowar and, and Brady Singer? Well, I think it's probably a different answer for each of those three guys. Um, but, you know, as a collective, it's one game, right? I mean, so, you know, I think early in the baseball season, it's pretty easy to make a lot of a first outing. On the other hand, you know, the Royals have since sent Kowar to, to AAA. So um, now – that, that's a move that, you know, Len and I had talked about. I mean, he he, first, he saw that coming based on, you know, bringing other guys up. They had to create a roster spot. But I think if he had pitched really well, that, that might not have been the move. Um, you know, Brady Singer, this this was telegraphed in, in spring training. I mean, he needs to develop a third pitch if he wants to be a, a starting pitcher in the major leagues. And he's got a changeup. He doesn't want to throw the changeup. You know, he threw it like 3.5% of the time last year. You've got to have a more consistent third pitch if you if you want to be a starting pitcher. And and I, I realize they're using him out of the bullpen now, but obviously his goal is to get back in the rotation at some point. Um, with Bubich, I, I think I, that's the one I'd be. Uh, you know, obviously you want all your young guys to throw well, um, particularly when when you've got a lot of young guys in your ro- in your rotation and your bullpen combined. Um, but I, I'd like to see a few more starts from Bubich before we we sound the alarm bells on him. I also think Bubich had the misfortune of running into a Guardians team uh, that was pretty angry after uh, uh, a lineup uh, that after Royals pitchers uh, you know handled that lineup in the first two games. This was a determined Cleveland team that that came out, and those bats didn't cool off on Sunday. They went into Monday afternoon as well and ended up hanging what seventeen and ten is that what it was in the two games uh, against the Royals? They did manage to battle back a little bit on, on Monday and, uh, but it was obviously wasn't enough. Um, I don't know, Lynn, I, I, I agree with Sam that especially when it comes to Bubich and Singer, that you got to give him a little bit more time, but Kowar, he, he has got to figure this out, doesn't he? I mean, he's pitched in 10 major league games and this ERA over 30 innings, his ERA is over 12. Um, there's just something that happens to him on, at the major league level where he's, he can't get people out is his fastball seems flat and uh, very hittable. Obviously there there's, 
I, I think there's probably of those three pitchers, maybe the most concern for Jackson Coar. Um, well, I think with Coar, the to me, I don't know if it's I don't think it's the same thing every time out. So I think that's I mean, like last year, there were times where um, command was a big issue where, I mean, just throwing strikes wasn't, was an issue at times last year. Um, that outing the other day, I mean, he, he was, he was throwing strikes. I mean, he, he got hit. I think he gave up 11 hits and three and a third. So you don't, you don't get hit that often if you're not around the strike zone. Um, so then it becomes a issue of whether it's the quality of pitches he's making or it's the sequencing. And, and so I think it's a different, issue than what we saw at times last year, uh, but at the same time, still concerning. Um, I think it might be one of those things where as he goes down to the minors again, it can get cleaned up. I mean, I think, uh, I think back to Daniel Lynch um, last year and obviously hit the, when he initially came up, his first issue was pitch tipping. But one of the things that he's talked about um, after coming back up last year and again, this uh, spring and early this season was, he had to sort of think, uh, rethink about how he evaluated his starts at AAA. Because if you just look at numbers, and same thing with Coar, they can put up numbers that are just dominant easily. They can do that at AAA. Um, but he started talking about how when he went back, he had to reevaluate how his outing was based on the types of pitches he was making, the locations, the quality of pitches, and how would that play against big league hitters, not how does that play against the guys that I'm facing right now. And I think that's where Coar has to get to. I think that's um, from, you know, talking to uh, Mike Matheny, I think that was part of what Coar had said on his way out as he was getting ready to go down to the minor leagues again this year. So we'll see if that that makes a difference. But um, to me, it's it's been different things the times that he's, you know, struggled. I mean, his first couple of starts, it was just it seemed like jitters and just not being able to put the ball where he wanted to. And then last year, uh, later on, it seemed like maybe some command issues. And we've seen little stretches, you know, even that, st- that outing the other day, I think, you know, three and a third, I think is what he ended up throwing. And there was a stretch in there where he went, you know, uh, I think he, you know, I don't remember, if, I don't think it was one, two, three, but it might have been three out of four and went through, you know, the meat of their lineup. And so you see it, it's just doing it regularly. Is, is there an argument to be made about uh, when we t- when we talk specifically about the class of the draft class of 2018 that like everybody else who came who, who was picked in the year they uh, they they had a they've had a bumpy road to the majors because of uh, the 2020 season um, you know the, the Royals uh, of course, put a lot of stock in college pitchers that, you know, for that draft. And, um, you know, instead of, instead of high school players or, or hitters, the, the fact that they're, you know, they went heavy at the top on college pitching and they haven't had the smoothest of paths to, to the major leagues. And yet they're all, you know, they, they've all pitched in the majors at this point. Um, is it, is it reasonable to expect, a, a, you know, some, uh, you know, little, you know, a little more or to expect them to need more time to develop, I guess I'm trying to say. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the case Blair, but um, I mean, when you mentioned they, they emphasize college pitchers specifically for that reason. So the, the time yeah. to get here and be effective here wasn't this, this long runway. Um, so I think it's fair to wonder what they're going to get out of this draft class at this point. Um, you know, I, I mean, and, that by no means says that these guys aren't going to develop into 
you know, guys that can contribute at the major league level, but they haven't come at this accelerated pace that is the reason they drafted these guys was to help them quicker, to, to accelerate the rebuild so that they didn't have to have this long wait for these guys to have an impact. And, and here we are. I mean, you mentioned 2018. Here we are four years later, and we're still wondering what these guys are going to give them at a major league level. And look, we've spent a lot of time on, you know, on these 2018 pitchers, but uh, you know, hats off to Zach Greinke and to Brad Keller, especially Brad Keller. It was quite a quite an outing for him in the, in the second game. Uh, was it six six shutout? I think um, so. And he's scheduled to go tonight, right, Lynn? They, uh, even though Greinke was supposed to pitch the the afternoon game on Wednesday, they're going to stick. They're going to stick with the rotation and have Keller go tonight. I have not. Um, I did not see that. I was. I, I hadn't seen for sure that that was what the. I thought that they were still going with Grinky, but I. I had not seen for sure that that was um, going to well, be the case. Let so. me let me let me interject. I, I got that from um, AP. Uh, they're, they're on their their major league standings where they list the probables, and they may have just gone with the fact that you know uh, didn't consider the rain out, and this would have been Keller's normal. Uh, spot in the rotation. It very well may be tonight. And you're right. I was looking for uh, some indication in your rainout story, but apparently Matheny didn't make an announcement on, on the starting pitcher. When's the last time you talked to him? Not not the last um, that I'd heard it, because I, I did not get a uh, message back the last I'd heard about, um, you know, if they were just pushing people back a day. Um, it would be that would be the most likely scenario that I would think just because I think Granky in particular already has an extra day off because of the off day. Cause he started the opener and then they had the off day on Friday. Uh, and now you're talking about another, another day where they didn't play because of the rain out. So I'm not sure if you, you push him back. Plus I feel like, you know, if anybody's going to get extra days, it might be one of the younger guys, but then again, maybe he's um, better suited to to handle that if they you know wanted to do something else with him as far as you know side session. So, um, but I had not known for sure yet. Um, I think the last time uh, yesterday when we heard the the timing announcement, uh, I think I had sent a text message uh, and I hadn't heard back from Royals on if it was necessarily Frankie getting pushed back. Um, but also you have a I guess Monday I believe is another off day, so it's going to be interesting because it seems like everybody's going to have some extra time here as far as the pitching plans go um, between the off day, the scheduled off day with the uh, you know after the opener, um, this rain out day, and then another off day coming up um, in uh, you know four or five after this four game series. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they do anything different there with uh, their starters. Okay. All right, hey, I want to talk about the lineup and what we've seen from uh, from the position guys, but let's transition into that by hearing from Salvador Perez, who had the two home runs on uh, on Tuesday uh, in St. Louis, his first two of the season, and he discusses that and uh, the performance of Daniel Lynch, starting pitcher Daniel Lynch, among other topics, when uh, when Lynn talked to him in St. Louis. So let's hear from Salvador Perez. It feel feel great, you know. But I think the most important thing is win the game, you know. And like, it's like he for home and lose, like kind of, you know, like yeah. For me, I feel good about the team, you know. Feel kind of, you know, kind of bad. Should we win the game tonight? Uh, hopefully, more homes coming, you know. Trying to help my team to win. Like now, I always 
always coming to play hard every day, you know. We get some opportunities, we get some bad, trying to do my best, you know, and, and see what happened after the last out. Do you feel like it was important for you guys to respond the way you did when they scored three for you guys to come right back with it? Yeah, it was, you know, we're going to try to do that whole season now, you know. We're going to try to, when we get in it like that, they, they scored three rounds or two rounds or one round, and you're like coming back and doing the same thing, you know. Try to tie the game or, or get the lead. Pretty good. I think just two pitchers, you know. Um, stay middle, you know, up, change again at another. I think it was a slider to the kitchen, you know, to a strike to be in the dirt. Or at least down, you know. But I think he's doing pretty good job. He said, say the bullpen, you know. Go up after the home and go and throw uh, one more in. I think it was a big deal for us. So he's doing pretty good job now. They're they trying their best, you know. They, they like to compete. They, they start to learn a little more, you know. It's going to get some time, bro. They got, they got the stuff. They just need to, you know, concentration time to make a better piece. And, and what I think, they're going to be one of the best starters in the league. They're going to have a great rotation, you know. Uh, so we're getting close. I think this every day is a new opportunity, you know, thing to learn and and, do it. and the next time, you know, learn from tonight and try to get better for the next one. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important please visit kansascity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. So um, that was Salvador Perez, of course, and he loves hitting home runs. He likes winning more. It was, it was fun to hear. And, um, and to be honest with you, you know, don't, he didn't swing the bat great at Hoffman Stadium in the in the Cleveland series. He had, had a couple of hits at the at an RBI, but I think until he hit his first home run, you were thinking, "Oh man, is he? You know, is he going to? Was was last year a little bit of a fluke? Can he approach? You know, the forty eight home runs that he hit uh, a year ago, and he had a couple of terrific swings in in St. Louis, especially that first home run of the travel. I think four forty it was measured, Lynn. Um, uh, yeah, it looks like he's got a stroke back, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I'm just—I was laughing to myself because you said, you know, um, up until that point, maybe there was some question. Um, one person who had no question was Andrew Benintendi. I, I, we talked to him after um, Monday's game. I keep thinking that it was Sunday because in the afternoon, but it was Monday's game um, because that was the day that Salvi broke an 0 for 12 and had his first two hits and an RBI. And um, I think I just said that something along the lines of, I said, oh, was it pretty good to see him get going again? And he, he said, we never had any worry about that. He said, anybody who thought that, you know, was worried about that, that's just stupid. <laughs> and so, so Benny was never, never worried at all. 0 for 12 didn't mean anything to him. And I think he said he's got, you know, 700 something at bats left. So nobody's worried about that 0 for 12. And then the next day he hits two home runs. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was uh, maybe a little bit of, oh, is this going to be a slow start just because of, you know, 
um, seeing how crazy he ended last year, or it seemed he had that stretch where it seemed like he was hitting a home run or a grand slam like every other day. Um, so it maybe warps your perception of it, but no for 12 in the larger scheme, as Benny said, stupid to worry about that. <laughs> and, and Benny has been swinging a great bat. Uh, uh, his first in the Cleveland series, he was about the only one really, I guess Nicky Lopez as well, but Benny was off to, off to a terrific start. Um, I, I'd wonder too, just a little bit if the shortened spring training had an impact on, on bats, but, you know, looking around the major leagues, I, you know, I, I don't think that can be used as a as an excuse. Um, and then, how about you know, Salvador hits his two on on Wednesday and yesterday, or, or on Tuesday, right? And then yesterday, Vlad Guerrero hits three. So um, the, the chase is on again between those two, who both ended up with forty eight uh, last year. Sam, what was your impression of uh, of the lineup? I, I there, there's one. To me, there's one player that sticks out um, for his, uh, you know, for the way he's performed on, um, on not such a good way, in not such a good way, and that's Carlos Santana. But what, how about the rest of the, the lineup up and down? What are you seeing? Yeah, you know, I, I, I had some questions about just the lineup as a whole going into the season, um, mostly with the pop. Uh, you know, how many home runs could this team hit? And I realized that, you know, I mean, heck, when you date back to – the World Series team, they didn't get there based on hitting home runs because that's hard to do at Kauffman Stadium. Um, so why build your team around that? But they do have guys in the lineup that that's what they're expected to do. You mentioned Santana, and, you know, he, he's not a guy that's done that a lot since he's been here. Um, but I think, you know, Whit Merrifield's going to hit at some point. I, you know, I, I know there's no track record here at the major leagues, but I still think Bobby Witt's going to hit. Um so, you know, I mean, it's five games into the season. And like I said earlier about the pitching, I know there's there's a lot of reaction based on five games, but they've got guys in their lineup right now that aren't hitting that will hit, you know, that, that I think are, are, are less guys to be are guys to be less concerned about. Um, but Santana's one that that I do wonder what what the, the plan with him, because they, they've got guys in the minor leagues that, um, you know, might be knocking at the door at some point. And if Santana's slump stretches, at the all-star break, something like that. I wonder what you do at that, at that spot in the lineup. Yeah. He's, he's picking up where he left off last year. Remember he got off to a great start for the Royals in the uh, first few months of the season. And then, then was it a tailspin to end the year. And that's where he is to begin this year. Look, it's again, we have to keep saying it's, it's only been you know, five games and, um, but it's, it's, you know, just the, the quality of the at-bats are such that you, you wonder, um, you know, what, what what the Royals could do with him. Because he is, you know, just, you know, based on what, what he's been doing here and, and what you might project for him, he is clogging up first base for, for some minor leaguers that, you know, Nick Prado in particular, that, that you might want to see at the major league level. And to me, the best case scenario for the Royals would have been for Carlos Santana to start blazing and um and then become an attractive trade piece at some point that would allow the royals to uh, to to bring up a nick prado perhaps or mj melendez or however the royals wanted to play that but instead you know you've got a 10.5 million dollar player who's not hitting and not not getting on base i guess he has four walks this year but 
how, how big a concern should this be if the, if the trend continues, Lynn? Well, you know, like, like you guys have both said, it's only five games. And so, I mean, there's definitely the part of me when you look at a 162 that you say five games is, you know, too much is too early to start doing you know, a whole lot of panicking. But at the same time, in today's world, it's like this is there's five games. We're doing a show today. There are tweets to be fired off and opinions to be to be uh, you know sent out into the world. So right. five games is uh, five games is what people are working off of. Um, but at that said, I think if he has you know a solid next series, then a lot of those numbers turn around. And for me, it's not so much going to be home runs, um, particularly when they're at Kaufman, it's going to be more the on-base number is going to be the thing that I look at because I think last year early in the season when he was going well, yeah, he had some home runs, but I think the on-base was the main thing that um, the way he really stood out, and it was the thing that um, they had really harped on when they signed him. Um, makes him also a uh, – it, it affects their lineup because he's betting behind, you know, um, Sal Perez a lot. So that, you know, makes sure that people have to pitch to him because then if you don't and you and you got a, a guy that you're worried about just sort of adding another man on base or a tough at bat behind him, then it means, you know – and I mean, Salvi himself is a hard person to pitch around just because he'll expand and go get stuff. But, um, so, but the on base is the main thing that I would, you know, really be more concerned about with him. Um, but also we got to keep in – uh, mind that, you know, they could easily um, maybe shave a game off here or there with his how much he's in the lineup because Hunter Dozier can play first base, especially when Salvi's going to be DHing. Um, this last time through, they actually had Santana play first and Dozier went to the bench to start off that game. But you could easily flip it and then Santana's bat's not in the lineup, whether or not, you know, they want to go that route, depending on the matchup and such. Um, but Again, it's it's early. I think one other series, if he gets on a couple on base a couple of times, um, and you know maybe has a couple of hits or has a clutch hit here or there, um, I don't think anybody's worried about it. Um, but again, five games is what people got to work off of, so they're going to work off of it. With, with Santana, though, so there is five games this year. Um, when you look at his numbers as a whole over just the last three years, and obviously twenty twenty was a shortened season as well. Um, but he hit 199 that year. He hit two. I, Len, if you remember right, it was it was in the teens, two two fifteen, something like that last year. Now he started out one of sixteen this year, and so at at some point that becomes a larger trend from season to season, not just these these five games within this year. And you know, I think we all thought wondered what they were going to get out of Santana going into this year. That's why I mentioned that I think Bobby Witt and Witt Merrifield are guys to be less concerned about. Because even if Bobby Witt doesn't have the track record, I, I just think he's too good not to eventually figure it out. And I think that Witt Merrifield does have the track record in the recency of that, that he's going to hit. Um, but Santana's always, to me, been the guy I looked at in that lineup and been concerned that what do you do with him if he doesn't? Um, you know, if, if he doesn't get on base, I mean, that's supposed to be a strength. If he doesn't hit the ball out of the ballpark, that's also supposed to be a secondary strength of his. Then why? Well, and I, I think um, I don't have it in front of me, but that 2020 season when the, with the batting average low, I think he still had a pretty decent on base. So that's why, again, I say the on base is the thing. Last year, early in the season, that number was was pretty – he was doing pretty well with that as well. And now the thing that I was always – 
I wasn't really sure how the gauge was. He had, you know, basically played the last month plus, maybe two months on one leg because he had a leg injury that really hampered him. And so, like, it just affected his swing. But the thing is, is he's 35 now. And I'm, and I'm not sure if it's one of those things you chalk up to, well, it was just a one season. Like, if he's 25, you say, well, that was just a one season thing. It was a, um, a leg injury that really you got to discount what happened. But at 35, you got to raise the questions like, okay, well, is that going to be a thing that's a more of a regular thing now because he's getting older and you're going to have those sorts of things that he has to um, deal with, and especially if he's going to play every day. Um, so that last year, I'm still not entirely sure how the gauge, like, you I mean, because we saw that first part of the season and then the last part of the season was the injury. And but at that age, I don't know if the injury is going to be more the exception or the rule because he's just getting up there. And if you're going to run him out there every day, then that's what you're going to have to deal with. Funny, on my on my confidence meter, I feel good about, uh, you know, Alberto Montesi getting, getting it together. Bobby Wood Jr., I think he's, we're going to see him hit. Um, it was great to see a home run from, from Michael A. Taylor. Uh, and, and you already accept that you're going to get – He's there for the defense, and, and what you get from him, you uh, know, in, in the batter's box is a bit of a bonus. Benintendi, as we've said, you know, off to a terrific start. But when it comes to Santana, I'm just I just don't have the confidence that he's ever going to be, you know, heck, seventy five percent of what he was at, at his best when he was uh, with Cleveland uh, previously. So, um, yeah, I think the Royals will end up they're, they're going to have. They're going to be forced into a decision uh, with with Carlos Santana at some point, and maybe sooner than uh, than later with, with him. Uh, okay, we, hey, but let's let's go out on this to see if you guys have any thoughts on um, on the unwritten rules of baseball, uh, which became a story this week in a uh, Giants Padres game when the Giants got up big on on uh, San Diego, and then. Uh, with the big lead, uh, bunted, and what was the other? What was the other offense? Uh, unwritten rule offense. Did they steal a base. I think uh, it was a stolen base. Yeah, and one was that uh, they were up ten two or it, it one ten one at one point, and maybe thirteen to two at the other. And this happened like in the seventh inning or later. Um, no sport uh, embraces its unwritten rules more than baseball. And Giants manager Gabe Kapler got. You know, he was roasted a little bit for this, but but his defense, I thought, was was reasonable. He wanted to wanted to get into the Padres bullpen. He wanted to win the series. He wasn't thinking about that game necessarily in, in being unsportsmanlike. He was thinking about the series as a whole. Or um, look, it's not a it, it's it's not a story that's spread like wildfire or anything. But I think for baseball fans, it's a pretty interesting. It was a pretty interesting response from the Giants when asked about this. And, you know, we, we've all watched baseball all of our lives, and we understand what these unwritten rules are. Is this going to be the start of something, Lynn, or a little, you know, a little brush fire early in the season that uh, that will extinguish quickly? My guess is it's probably more the brush fire than a, the big start of some big change. Um at the same time, I mean, I guess just personally, I always fall on, and I guess um, I've been told it's more, or I guess people say it's more of an old school thing, but, you know, I, I always remind people I'm actually getting younger. But aside from that, um, my, the old school thing is just like, I mean, I have no problem, like, you know, if somebody's like, 
that flip or are they going to, you know, whatever unwritten rule, name it, you know, bunt for the hit or steal the base late. To me, that's not a problem. But I also say it's not a problem if the team that, you know, has that done to them decides to take umbrage and gives you a little chin music or gives you, you know, one on the hip or something like that. It's to me, the inconsistency, as you say, well, they should be able to express themselves and they should be able to do this, that and the other. And you just have to deal with it. If you don't like it, then stop them. It's like, okay, but to me, it's consistent to also say, well, then if they don't like it and they let you know about it in a way that is expressive, <laughs> maybe, it's, you know, an expressive way that, you know, includes a ball um, buzzing by the, you know, your chin, then you should be, you should say that, well, that's fair game too. So that's just me. But um, I don't think it's going to be that big a, you know, a big start or something different, but we'll see. I, I do think baseball is at a little bit of a crossroads with this these unwritten rules because they're a sport that needs to have more electricity in their game right now. Um, and so if that means guys showing their emotion, I think that's a good thing. I don't understand why you'd want to zap the emotion out of your game when you're trying to get more viewers. Um, I do think there's a difference between taunting the opposition and celebrating your own achievements. And that when that line's crossed, I think that's different. Um, related to, to the Giants-Padres issues, I've always thought that stuff was completely bogus. I mean, Gabe Kapler's best response a day later was, why should one team continue to play 100% and the other team should basically only play at, at half measure? You know, why, why are they, you know, are the Giants allowed to suddenly put their third baseman on the infield grass and you can't take advantage of it and bunt? because that's the way you're taught to play the game. And suddenly you have to have an off switch mid game. I, I've never understood that that part of the unwritten rules, you, you always play like you're trying to win the at bat, win the pitch. And that shouldn't change just because you're up by eight or nine runs in the sixth inning. And one thing also, I think um, that I don't think I've heard it associated with that. Like Kapler talked about, you know, trying to do the best that you can to win that series. Um, I think especially against division teams, this could be something that maybe um, plays a has an impact throughout the season because um, this year, you know, like in theory, if you force them to use more pitchers to get deeper into their bullpen um, and waste more arms, um, this is the first year where you're going to actually have a limit on how many times you can option guys. So like teams like Tampa Bay used to always do this where they'd have a guy up for a short period of time, option them out and then just bring up another guy. Um, so I think maybe, especially against, you know, division teams, if you can beat up their bullpen and make them use more pitchers and then know that there's going to be a limit on how many guys they can bring up or risk having to lose guys, then maybe that, you know, over the course of the season um, has an impact. But I, I mean, I guess, that's probably going too too far into the weeds with that. But that was one thing I think I thought as far as just the, you know, uh, strategically, especially when you're playing division teams, you're going to see over and over again. I can remember back in the day that uh, Greg Gagne for the Royals bunted uh, to break up a no-hitter. I think it was an open, like in the eighth or ninth inning. And boy, that was what, a, what blowback the Royals and Greg Gagne got for that. Uh, uh, for breaking that unwritten rule, breaking up a no-hitter uh, with, with a bunt. But um, one of our unwritten rules is to be out of here after about uh, 30 minutes or so, and we have violated that. But uh, uh, but the conversation was so good with Lynn Worthy and Sam McDowell, I, I, I think you'll forgive us. Um, so uh, we'll bid farewell for this week. 
and want to thank our sponsor, the University of Kansas Health System. And I want to remind you guys that we'll be back on a pretty, on a, not pretty, but regular basis starting Tuesday next week. So, yeah, we've only got a five-game sample size so far this year. It's going to be shorter when we talk to you again, uh, uh, the, the time between shows. So uh, we'll tune in Tuesday, 10 a.m., and we will talk Royals baseball with you then. Take care, guys. That'll do it for today. Big thanks to Monty Davis, who produced today's podcast and the Sportsbeat Live broadcast. Also thanks to the Sportsbeat KC team of Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to Linworthy and Sam McDowell for sharing their thoughts today. Here's my shameless plug for the morning sports edition. Hey, there are 27 pages in today's product. Go to kansascity.com and the subscription tab for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC.